She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and I'm so, so excited. We have Peter Martone who is back for another episode. If you missed his first episode, it was one of our most downloaded episode. He literally brought so much heat. You're going to love it. And today we're going to be talking about the top pillars of sleep, what you need to do exactly to get great sleep and not only great sleep, but wake up feeling refreshed. And we're going to talk about does intermittent fasting help with your sleep or not help? So much more. So Peter, welcome. Thank you. And hopefully I didn't bring heat because we want our core temperature to drop when we sleep. So hopefully I cooled the audience off, you know? uh, Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's so good because it's funny because I, I feel like one thing I've done is I've really worked on my hormones. So I'm waking, I'm not like waking up like hot or anything like that, but I wish my husband would keep the temperature even more down. So let's, let's start with that because you brought that up. So what is the temperature in the room that you like it to be? And what is the temperature kind of in the bed that you like it to be to have optimal sleep? All right. I love it. We're diving right into it. So basically there, there's, a thing that's called quality of sleep versus quantity of sleep. And you want to get good quality sleep. And one of the number one things to be able to do that, one of our pillars that we want to do is we want to drop our body core temperature. Our body's core temperature needs to drop by about two degrees in order to get into good, deep sleep. And you had talked about, you know, stopping food and intermittent fasting, and we'll get into that. But what are some ways that you, what are some things that you can do to drop your core temperature so that you actually get into deep sleep quickly? You want to be in deep sleep within the first third of your sleep cycle. So one of the things that I, 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 you, I tell my, my client, my patients all the time is that you, the way that you use your covers is critically important in how your temperature body, your, your body temperature regulates. I believe people are using covers wrong, right? And we haven't been really taught how to sleep. We go to sleep and we're just like, all right, let's just fall asleep. And we take for granted that our body is going to do the rest. We sleep in poor positions. We're so bundled up. We we sleep for safety purposes. We don't sleep for alignment and correction. So we're bundled up. We want to get all cozy. And then we fall asleep. Then we rip our covers off and we toss and turn all night long. So. One of the best things that you can do to really for, to fall asleep and to temperature regulate is the way that you use your covers. And I love interactive stuff, Chantel, you know that. So I'm going to come down here. I have my bed here, and then I have these set of covers right here. Remember, your body is a heater. Your husband's body is a heater. I do not like to heaters under the same covers. So I like to use separate covers. Listen, you want to come together. You want to snuggle bug. That's fantastic. You snuggle pie at the very beginning of the night, but use your separate covers when you go to bed. And this is how I want you to use them. 
You want to, your body only cares about the temperature from here to here. It doesn't really care about the temperature in your hands, and it doesn't really care about the temperature in your legs. So I like to use my covers. Actually, I have socks on right here, but I normally wouldn't. I like to use my covers from my waist, right, up to my chest. Use a little neck nest here. And I have my arms and my feet out of the covers. In that way, your body can temperature regulate out your hands and your feet. At the beginning of the night, though, you can, you can like put everything tucked in, get a little warmth, and then stick your hands and your feet out. But that is the best way to temperature regulate is to have your hands and your feet out of the covers and then the temperature you room about 68 degrees. I love that. We, I do that every single night. I do actually have my covers really more towards kind of my knee. I have it covering my knee, but my feet, I always keep my feet out and I always keep my hands out. And I just started doing that probably a couple months ago. I told my husband because a couple times he had, I didn't even do it on purpose, but he had actually woken me up because he would like pulled the covers. And I was like, that's it. I said, you're getting your own cover. Before you go any further, do you love me? <laughs> and he was like, why? You don't want to share my own covers? So I literally, I have my own set now. My, I have a sheet and like a thin blanket. And that's my set. And now he has his. And we just started doing that. And, you know, I showed you my sleep scores. They're like phenomenal off the charts. I have like a 92, 94, sometimes 95 on the aura ring. Like I really have my sleep dialed in. So that's awesome. But I just started doing that probably like, I don't know, maybe four months ago, something like that. Yeah, you're crushing your sleep scores. And and that is, and really what's important is on your sleep scores, for those of that you know, uh, choose an aura ring, but you can use anything to monitor your sleep. I believe that you cannot improve what you don't monitor. So I think it's important to have some sort of tracker. But your heart rate variability score, which is your readiness score, which is how rested you are. Some people wake up eight hours of sleep and they're ready to go. Some people wake up after eight hours of sleep and they're dead to the world and they're not rested, that you can monitor with what's called heart rate variability. So your heart rate variability scores, that's why I wanted to check it, is really high, which says that you really rested, you had a lot of repair, and you're ready to go. So that's great. Your, your sleep scores are fantastic. Well, thank you. Talk about the ideal room temperature for just a second, because some people, you know, I've heard different people say different things, and I've heard that some people say your ideal room temperature should be anywhere around 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Some people say 68. Some people say 69. I know I keep ours around 69. I'd like to keep it at 68. My husband really pushes us to the 69, 70 kind of range. But what what are you seeing? Are, are you seeing some people saying as low as 65 degrees? I'm going to tell you, it, it, that conversation doesn't matter as much as how much skin you have exposed, what you have exposed. So really, ultimately, what is your body core temperature? Your body core temperature typically is right, what, 98 degrees, right? Most, most people, 98.5, 98.4, whatever it is. So think about uh, your body core temperature only needs to drop two degrees, whether it's 68 degrees, whether it's 65 degrees, whether it's 70 degrees. 
the only thing that really needs makes an issue is the warmer the room, the more skin you want to have exposed so the body can cool down. So if you're only if you're dropping from 98 degrees and you have the room at 70 degrees, that's still a big difference. You would just have to have more skin exposed from your legs down and your hands. Um, if you have a cooler room, you have less skin exposed. So it, 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 and then during the winter and the summer, those make you know a little bit of differences based on how our body is is hardwired and our core temperatures are and our heart rate drops. But it, you know, really, the the temperature, it, it, the goal is the body temperature to drop those two degrees. So the warmer the room, the more skin you have exposed. The cooler the room, the less skin you have exposed. Basically, that that's how I would answer that question. Now you do have socks on right now. So what is your opinion about sleeping with socks on? Or I out? don't like it, and I'll tell you why. So. There's something in the body that's called allostatic load. The allostatic load is a hierarchy of systems the body is going to keep online and it will shut down other systems. So, for instance, if you eat food and then you go for a swim, the body is going to do everything it can to keep you above water and it will shut down your digestive tract and you'll get cramping in your stomach. Because keeping you above water is a hierarchy high, as a is higher than the musculoskeletal system and keeping you or the digestive system at that point. Um, for instance, if you are if, if so, one of the highest allostatic loads is body core temperature. So you want to make sure that you maintain a healthy core temperature. And, and use as little resources for the body to keeping it warm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so I want, in, in the core temperature, the body just wants to maintain here. Your hands and your feet, feet can freeze. Your body really doesn't care about that. It really cares about this. So I want socks off so your body can temperature regulate, regulate at your feet and your hands and your core as warm as it can be. because if it has to fight to keep the core temperature at 98 degrees let's say you have a window open in the in the cold air is blowing on you and you're freezing all night long because you're not bundled up and not from the core you're going to end up suppressing immunity and you'll get sick it's not the cold air that makes you sick it's your reaction to being chilled in your immune system supposed to elevate in the middle of night not be suppressed but the hierarchy would say if your body's fighting to keep it warm, it's going to suppress immune system, digestive system, and reproductive system. Mm. All right. Well, I have a listener question and it's really long. So I'm going to kind of just give you the highlights reels. It's from Sanjay Patel in Austin, Texas. I have lost 30 pounds thanks to you and all the intermittent fasting I've done. I eat in a six-hour eating window and I keep changing my eating window to see what works best, sometimes 12 to 6, sometimes 2 to 8. And I keep changing it, and I'm trying to figure out if I sleep better when my eating window is later or if my eating min- eating window is earlier. I can't decide, but sometimes it's because I'm stressed, and then he goes on and on about how he he really can't figure out because he keeps changing the window so much, and basically he's saying, I don't know if it's, you know, different things happen because it's not just about eating. And he's like, I can't figure out if I eat more during the day or if my eating window is later at night. 
he's not quite sure which one is better for his sleep. So what is better like for your sleep? Should you eat more during lunchtime, less at dinner time? What works? So, so one of the byproducts of digestion is heat. So one of the things that we want to occur when we're sleeping is not that be heated, we want to be cooled. So the more food that you have in your digestive tract when you go to bed, the more elevated your core temperature is going to stay because your body is going to have that heater in its digestive tract. So the, be so the way that I eat, I intermittent fast uh, almost every day. I diet very on the weekends. But, so, uh, but uh, let's say I'm intermittent fasting. I am stopping my food. I don't eat more than 300 calories within three hours of going to bed. Right. I like to typically have all of my, I like to, my biggest meals, lunch, right? Which I just had, big salad, bunch of stuff on it. And then at night, I typically eat around 5 30, like six o'clock when I come home and I go to bed at nine, 9 30. So I'm, I'm close to kind of that, that window. But my, my dinner is a small meal. So let's say he's, he's it, let's say that individual is eating earlier. Let's say they're eating at like five o'clock and they're going to bed at nine thirty or ten. I suggest in that situation a small carbohydrate to keep there. So one of the issues in the middle of the night, you don't want to have a lot of food in your system, but you don't want to you know you don't want your insulin levels to crash. And to be, you know, hypoglycemic. So, so I don't mind having a little carbohydrate in your digestive tract if you're going long distances of time without eating. Because then, when you wake up in the morning, in in your, I don't know if you take your ketones and things like that, sugar levels are going to be high, but you'll still be able to get into that ketosis right around 10, 30, 11 o'clock after those that 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 sugar level drops. So you want to, you know, kind of figure out for yourself, but I like biggest meal is lunch. Then you have a little dinner. Try not to make that within three or four hours of going to bed. And then if you're really hungry before you go to bed, you can have a little carbohydrate that won't mess with your, uh, your, your ketosis the next day. Mm, all right. One more question from Michelle Fox Turner, San Jose, California. I have added an evening walk every single night, and it's helped me lose an extra 10 pounds in a two-month period. That's the good news. The bad news is I'm not sleeping as well. And a friend of mine said an elevated metabolism or heart rate can disrupt your sleep, so I shouldn't be avoid. I should. It's best to avoid exercise and having heavy meals right before three hours prior to your ideal bedtime. Well, I've been adding this walk and she kind of goes on and on. But basically, the gist is, is that she added a walk and then right after her walk, she wants something to eat. So she's trying to figure out, is it the food? Is it that additional walk? But she doesn't want to stop it. Her Since she's been adding this new routine of this walk at night, good news is she's lost 10 pounds in a two-month period. Bad news is her sleep is way way not as good from her aura ring. And, and so tonight I will not get a good night's sleep because I will be mountain biking tonight. I will be mountain biking at, at six o'clock. I am mountain biking. My heart rate gets very, very, very high and it will stay elevated for two to three hours afterwards and I won't get my, 
my heart rate to come down and it's going to destroy my sleep patterns. I know that. I will prepare for it tomorrow with the nap. So, so uh, th that person is correct. A walk, I don't believe, is enough exercise to elevate the core temperature to keep to to keep the um, to keep the metabolism high. Um, so usually your heart rate needs to get up to a max heart rate to be able to stay high. So when maybe I, she's speed walking. Right. So that what I would look at is how intense are you walking, right? What level is your output? And then how much are you eating when you come home? So the three, the two things that need to happen in order to get good sleep, actually three things, your core temperature needs to drop, your heart rate needs to drop, and your respiratory rate needs to drop. So, so, so if you're eating late, that's going to keep your core temperature up. I would first do my walk. I would take my heart rate, see see what that heart rate is. Shouldn't be above eighty percent of your max heart rate. And then I would change what I'm eating, and then monitor how I feel first. And then I would decrease. Um, I, I would decrease the length of time I'm walking, and I would I would kind of play with it a little bit. But normally, your heart rate needs to be elevated for the metabolism to stay elevated to affect your sleep cycle. Let's just take a minute and let's talk about my latest discovery. Listen, this is the hottest super nutrient packed product that's going to boost your brain and your overall well-being. First of all, as soon as I tried this product, I became a fan of it and was blown away by the immediate result. I felt focused. My mind was clear. It just doubled my mental performance. So this product has the superpowers of mushroom extracts and collagen. So it has four of the best health-boosting mushrooms. It's got lion's mane, chaga, cordyceps, and reishi, collagen, and Peruvian cacao. So when you combine all of these, the four mushrooms and the collagen, it is going to energize your brain and your body. It's called Kala Genius. So check it out, newtopia.com slash wasteawaygenius and use the code wasteaway10 during checkout. Awesome. All right, well, let's go back. So you told us we're going to have five surprising pillars of sleep. So give us those five of what those are. So the first one, which we talked about in our first, uh, uh, episode or the first thing we did. And this is really what I think is the most overlooked thing in the sleep industry. Right? Most people talk about sleep. They talk about the rest, the restore. They talk about their time in bed as rejuvenating, right? Re-energizing in, in where our body heals. The one pillar or the leg of that triangle or that, that stool that I believe people miss is the destruction of the spine that is occurring at night because of our poor sleeping position. What ends up happening is due to the modern day lifestyle of us being, you know, texting all day long and, and, and whatnot, we're supposed to have these curves in our neck. Because of the modern day lifestyle in our poor sleeping positions, 
we're losing the curve. And that's causing an adaptive twist in the spine, which then in return affects the function of our nervous system. So just by being a side sleeper or a stomach sleeper, you're destroying the structure of the cervical spine and you're affecting a very, very specific nerve in your body called your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve supplies all of the parasympathetics to your digest, most of the parasympathetics to your digestive tract and immune system and reproductive system. Vagus nerve and the reproductive system a little bit less. But so if we lose the structure due to our sleeping position, we're going to toss and turn all night long and we're never going to get a restful sleep. So pillar number one is to be able to put your body into a position with the end in mind. Not that you have to stay here the entire night, but you want to restore the curve in the neck for at least an hour a night. So you focus on the first hour of your sleep. Your body will do the rest. Don't focus on the entire night. Just try to put yourself in this position for one hour a night. And that is on your back with the pillow under your neck. I am using a neck nest right here. And my neck is arched back. I'm looking straight at the ceiling. And my arms are down. This is restoring the cervical curve in my neck. And most people say, I can't sleep like that. I'll snore or I won't be able to breathe. Just, it, the goal is to just stay in that position one hour a night. Then do whatever the heck you want. Even if you fall asleep like that, if you're snoring, your body's going to turn you anyways. Focus on one hour of, of, of aligning the spine. We call that corrective sleep therapy. One hour a night to be able to reverse the damaging effect of the modern day lifestyle. Well, I will tell you this. So before I did our very first podcast with me and you, you know, I always slept on my side. And if you think about it, we spend a third of our lives sleeping, right? So finding a sleep position that's comfortable and supportive is really a top priority. And I always slept on my side, but I inevitably had neck issues all the time. You know, I would like just like once once a month, at least sometimes two or three times a month, I would wake up and I'd tell my husband, I'm like, oh, I slept on my neck wrong. I have a crick in my neck. I just I'm not good. So you actually were the one that convinced me of sleeping on your on your back. And I will tell you, you saw my sleep scores. I feel like I really have my sleep dialed in. I mean, I don't, I don't even know hardly anyone who has the sleep scores I get consistently for 30 days. Like, that's how good my sleep is. Yeah, you and, so, and, and I feel like I owe that all to you because I never slept on my back. And I will tell you this. It took me almost, I don't know, maybe about eight months because I for now I, I like it. But it took me about eight months because I still was be like, I can't sleep like this. So then I would start like that. And then I would always end up on my side. So tell people, what can someone do to train themselves to sleep on their back? Because I truly believe that I always had good sleep, but I feel like that was a tip that you gave me that took my, my sleep to the next level. What can they do to train themselves to sleep on their back? 
Well, four reasons people toss and turn is one, they're in pain. Two, they want to feel safety, breathe temperature, and then four is airway. But so one of the reasons we fall asleep in the positions that we fall asleep in, because we want to feel safe and protected. So we fall asleep, curl up in little balls and in snuggle pies, because this is more protective than this, right? And this is exposed. And we live in this society at a subconscious level with this fear all around us, right? You know, this thing is going to kill us. This virus is going to kill us. This person needs to wear a mask. And all, like there's all this fear around us. The one way when somebody first starts sleeping on their back, they're going to feel exposed and vulnerable. You can, you know, lock your door. That creates a sense of safety. But pressure creates a sense of safety. I like and going to have these little sleep masks where you can use this pressure against your eyes. You can use it with a sleep mask or you can put a pillow when you sleep. You know, believe it or not, over your eyes, you can use pressure on your chest, put a pillow on your chest, but it, using pressure in, 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 against your eyes and on your chest, that's one way to be able to help somebody sleep on their back. And then the second is I really like um, eleva an elevated sleeping position, like slight elevation five to eight degrees. If you have one of those beds, it's like just a little bit, maybe four inches up. But then the other way that you can do it, if you don't, you can buy a bed wedge or you can take two pillows. You put one pillow at the top of the bed, What you know, really thin, flat pillows, one pillow right there at the base. And then you take, in this case, your neck nest, you put it on the top of the back pillow and then you sleep slightly elevated and then by sleeping slightly elevated you won't have as much pain um when you start sleeping on your back so those are you know use pressure use use a sleep mask over your eyes and then try to sleep on a slightly elevated sleeping position those are good ways to start get started yeah i agree with that and also if you look at my bed i actually i bought people joke me i've got to take a picture and post it on facebook to, for people to see how many pillows i have on my bed but I actually place a pillow, under, a couple pillows under my knees, and then I actually put a couple pillows underneath my feet. And then sometimes I put pillows like around me, like I surround myself with pillows. And so it makes me not actually like turn over. It kind of like, I don't know, kind of puts myself in like a little bit of a cocoon, but I think that helps as well. So um, okay, so let's. So you talked about the destruction of the spine, number one, yeah, and making sure is, that you're uh, sleeping the back. Number okay. two is, is temperature, right? So oh. get your temperature regulation, get the bed, I mean, get the room down to 68 degrees, 65 degrees. The way that you use your covers, your arms and your hands out of the covers um, is, is really important. And then this has been a big one for people. And um, we we have a, a core, well, we're developing a course. We have a, a white paper called The Five Pillars of Sleep. And then in, in our course, this is actually the first time I'll be talking about it. We, we're, we're talking about creating a sleep memory. And let me explain what that means. So you can't think yourself to sleep. 
which means you can't think about what you have to do today. You can't think about what you did today or what you got to do tomorrow because you're consciously rationalizing thought. You have to remember yourself to sleep because you want the, the energy to go to the back portion of the brain where the sleep centers are, not the front portion of the brain where your think centers are. So you want to try to access memories. Now, these memories need to be good memories, happy memories. So I had, you know, I had a party at Christmas time months and months ago. Um, And I think about everybody at that party. There were 85 people. I count them every single night. And then I've grouped them into like my lake friends and then my family friends. And then these friends went to this, this town and then friends from this town. So I'm thinking about the same memory over and over and over again. It puts me to sleep like that. And when you think about a memory once and it puts you to sleep, think about the same memory and you'll be able to get to sleep because it's forcing the energy back towards the sleep centers. So we're coming up with this thing called the sleep memory where you go out for a walk. You, you're creating a memory with the intention to put yourself asleep on that memory. So you go out for a walk, you go out for a hike. You be, you're conscious about the smells. You're conscious about the steps. You look down at the rocks. You look down at the water and you create this peaceful memory that night you can't go to sleep on it but you think about it the next night and everything about it and once you put yourself to bed on that memory once you'll be able to go to bed on that memory multiple times and it'll be easier Mm, so good i'm laughing because you were talking about a party and my husband this past uh new year's he's like do you want to have a new year's eve party at our house this year He's like, we're going to be in town. And I was like, yeah, I don't mind as long as we kick everyone out by nine. And he's like, Chantal, we're not kicking everyone. I was like, well, everyone knows I'm in bed by nine. So if they want to have a party at my house and we literally joke, like when I tell you that I'm in bed by nine o'clock, sometimes 930 every single night, like unless it's like something major, major. I'm in bed by nine or nine thirty, and I have my son. You know, we're like clockwork. Um, because honestly, I get up early, and my body's just on that routine. So, like, I can't even stay up later. Like, I. You know, I if you just created number three, there's 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 no coincidence that number three is bedtime. So so the reason why you have such good scores is because you're self disciplined about self good patterns, and number three is bedtime. And every hour of sleep before you get before midnight is worth two hours of sleep after midnight because we have an energy spike. So if you're getting to sleep at nine o'clock, nine thirty, let's say, right, and then you're really probably getting really good sleep right about at ten, and then you're in deep sleep at ten thirty, eleven, you're going into an energy spike. So you get a lot more healing the the uh, the closer to sundown, I guess you can say, you go to sleep, but. But that that's that's phenomenal. You're creating a bedtime, and I bet you on the other end, you don't wake up with an alarm, right? Because you go to sleep at the same time, and you wake up at the same time. And then our body goes through these consistent sleep cycles, and your body likes consistency, so it can depend on this is the time I'm going to go to bed, this is the time I'm going to wake up, and everything, the body will will get in its own rhythm and and that's what really that's the that's the that's the secret sauce right there is 
you know, we don't, we stay in these artificial lights and we stay up to watch our shows. And next thing you know, it's midnight. And then the night before you have more tired. So then you go to bed at nine and then 1030 the next night and you bury your bedtime. The body hates that. It destroys your sleep pattern. So explain why that is. Why is it that every hour before midnight is is double? Like what's the what's the science behind that? So what so there are different stages of sleep, right? There's shallow sleep, right? There's REM sleep, there's deep sleep, right? Arguably you're well not arguably. In deep sleep is where you get the most amount of repair. Right, where your body does most amount if it's repairing. And your deep sleep typically, not, not all the time, but most of the time you get most of your deep sleep in the first third of your sleep cycle. So right at the beginning. And if you're in deep sleep and your body goes into a little bit of an energetic state, you're going to get greater repair during that energetic sleep while you're sleeping. That's almost like the second wind, right? Like you're right, like you're really tired around nine, ten, eleven o'clock, and then all of a sudden somebody tries to go to sleep, and now they're wide awake because you're going into a natural energy spike, and that energy spike it varies for every each individual, but but you'll know when it is based on you know trying to go to sleep at the wrong time. You want to be in deep sleep before that energy spike, so you get more deep sleep healing. Basically, is, is in a nutshell. How okay, so number one is the destruction of the spine, making sure we're sleeping on our back. Number two is the temperature, the temperature of our room, the arms out of the covers. Number three is our bedtime. Every hour before midnight, that's double uh, the amount of sleep that you're getting. It counts as double. What's number four? So number four, we already reviewed a little bit. That's trying to get out of your own head. You can't think yourself to sleep. You have to remember yourself to sleep. So you want to make sure that you're that you're shutting down your brain before you get to bed. So a good way to do this is first that sleep memory, right? And you want to attach you want to you know attach a memory to your um, you know to your sleep. And then second is I like meditation, right? I like to be able to, remember, in order for us to get good deep sleep, our core temperature needs to drop, our respiratory rate needs to drop, and our heart rate needs to drop. So in order for us, we can control our heart rate somewhat by the way that we breathe. And you can slow down your heart rate by slowing down your respiratory rate as long as you don't have a lot of caffeine or stimulants in your system. Mm, so, so, sorry. And then, so then, last thing, and then when you meditate and you, let's say you do that as a practice during the day, and you're focusing on dropping your body core temperature, you also do that. I mean, body, uh, your body's heart rate, you do that with some sort of scent. So, what you do is you take a scent, put it underneath your nose. And then you meditate. The scent really, as what we find now, is pretty much insignificant, which scent you use. But you are attaching that scent to relaxation. And then right before you go to bed, 
once you once you've done this over a period of time, just use that scent. Some people use lavender. Some people use lemon. Some people use cinnamon. I, I, I the the scent. What I find doesn't matter if the habit is controlling your breathing during the day or doing some sort of meditation or prayer, and then being able to attach a scent to that and then use that scent at night. That is a really good biohack to be able to drop that heart rate down quickly by using aromatherapy. Hey guys, I really want you to join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Um, let me interrupt you real quick because I think I, I've got another question. I don't want to forget to ask you this. It's from Martin Pence in Wyoming. My wife likes to give our screens a break for at least an hour before bedtime, but I cannot sleep without watching some TV. And this is a major fight between the two of us. What can we do to come up with a compromise? Well, no bed, no TV in the bedroom, right? TV should be off in the bedroom at a specific time. If you want to watch TV, you can get your stimulation downstairs and then come upstairs to go to bed. But um, some people, uh, I, I, I heard a, a, a guy talk once, you know, they actually recommend screen time on a cell phone. I don't recommend that, but you can recommend, you know, that people play games, things that are rhythmic that don't stimulate you. Some people reading a book stimulates them. Some people, um, you know, watching TV stimulates them. And some people, they can do either of those and then go right to bed. So everybody's different. A lot of those differences come within, um, within the way that your brain is hardwired. But you have to respect what your spouse wants in you. You don't want that. You don't want sleep time to be, be you know, a, a really stressed event. I cannot have the TV on after a certain period of time. My wife loves it. She stays up later than me. I go to sleep in our bedroom. She watches TV downstairs and then comes upstairs. And, um, but you know, so, so I, I think it's important to treat the bedroom as a place where you, it's a sleep sanctuary and it's not a place where you really want to binge watch your shows. Yeah, I love I love that you said that a sleep sanctuary because I feel like, you know, I've heard my husband say that before like he'll want to watch TV and he'll say something like that's how I shut my brain down. The words that you just said, he'll say how I shut my brain down is by watching TV and it's like I am the exact opposite. I can't have the TV. Like there's no chance I could fall asleep if I if the TV is on. I just can't do it. I have to have I like to have complete silence with maybe one of those, like the fan going, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, that, that rhythmic type. We're working with um, a pianoist uh, who is doing some really cool tones for us so we can uh, come up with a, a sleep tone therapy where it's in, the, it's in this very specific um, high bass, little like speaker and um with this specific music so that we can kind of stimulate some delta pattern so we're working with that stuff right now 
Awesome. And what's number five? So number five is 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 just for people. This is more like kind of a reference point for people to understand quality of sleep versus quantity of sleep. So it is so important to wake up well rested and refreshed to get good quality sleep. Now the specific things that that kill your quality of sleep are things like elevated heart rate and elevated temperature. So a few biohacks that we have, first off is decreasing your food late at night, right? You want to eat, you know, you want to stop your food early. You want to make sure that you don't have a lot of toxic chemicals within your environment, like alcohol or any 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 drugs or things like that, because just as just as digestion creates heat, so doesn't detoxification create heat. And then something that I think is really really critical for people to understand, because elevated heart rate, whether it's from exercise, whether it's from stress, or whether it's from artificial stimulation, an elevated heart rate will destroy your quality of sleep. And will keep you out of deep sleep, and you'll end up getting REM rebound. You'll be able to fall asleep, like if you exercise or 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 have the these stimulants, but you won't get good quality of sleep. And the number one thing that people use across the globe is caffeine. So I think it's really important to talk about caffeine. I think caffeine is is good. I think people can use it as a stimulant. I think people can use it for ADD. I think you can use it for metabolism, but you have to understand that you shouldn't have any more than 25 milligrams of caffeine in your system while you go to bed. Now, what does that mean? The half-life of caffeine is five hours. And if you have a Starbucks, let's say, at noontime, and it's a bigger Starbucks, a lot of those, let's say, argument's sake, 250 milligrams of caffeine in it at noon. That means five hours later at five o'clock, you're still going to have, let me do the math, 125 milligrams of caffeine in your system. Five hours later, which is 10 o'clock, you still have 60 milligrams of caffeine in your system. Yes, you might be able to fall asleep, but you won't get into good sleep and your heart rate's going to be elevated because you had that caffeine at noontime. So I think it's really important to understand no caffeine after noon, but limit your caffeine to about 100 to to about 150. So really, if you wanted to have caffeine, then what I'm kind of hearing you say, let's say someone wanted to go to bed at nine o'clock at night, probably around 11 a.m. would be like the latest. They'd even want to have maybe a cup of coffee. Would that be right? Yeah, a cup of, a cup of coffee. Um, you also, I- I- the amount of caffeine in it, not all, you know, if it's a cup of coffee, normal cup of coffee usually has about, a, like a regular cup of coffee, about 80 to 85 milligrams of caffeine so you can get away with a cup but not those big starbucks double shots you know those things uh, uh sleep destroyers yeah so good and i think the other thing is you know a lot of times people think what you mentioned with alcohol 
it might help them feel relaxed before bed, but that the alcohol actually ruins your REM sleep. And so the alcohol's wear off actually can help you continuously wake up throughout the night. I know that sometimes like if my husband has a drink or a couple drinks that night, he'll end up getting up in the middle of the night. So I think people think alcohol makes you feel more relaxed, but it actually robs you of your REM sleep. Do you agree with that? So alcohol is a depressant, every, all alcohol except tequila, uh, but alcohol is a depressant. So what that will do is that will allow you to fall asleep or pass out. <laughs> um, so, but what happens is you, you go into this subcomatose sleep. And the, the another thing that happens is your, your 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 pain senses get diminished, so you'll stay in poor sleeping positions longer, and you'll end up waking up sore because your body won't toss and turn as much. So people toss and turn less; they think that that's better, but you're actually just you know you you're, you're numb to the pain. That's why you wake up sore. But second, you get something that's called REM rebounds. So you're correct. You'll go into this comatose state. You won't get your good REM sleep, which is what you need in order to feel like mentally refreshed. And towards the end of your sleep cycle, you get this rebound. So you wake up in these crazy dreams and, you, you know, you, you, you just dream all the way at the end of your sleep cycles because you didn't dream all night. And then you're going to wake up in the middle of a dream in the morning and you're going to be torched. Because your body didn't go through the natural cycles. So that's what alcohol does. It drops you down, keeps you down, and then you rebound at the end. And that's why you wake up so exhausted because you're not getting good replenished sleep. I've got another question from Susan, and I'll give you just I'll give you just the middle of it. She says, I wake up at 5 a.m. every day, then I eat around 2 p.m. And so at 2 30, I'm exhausted, and then I take a nap at 2.30 when I get home, and after eating, I'm tired, and then I'm not able to go to sleep at 11 o'clock, but I can't get myself out of this pattern, is what she's saying. Like, she's gotten herself into this routine. She can't go to sleep until 11? Yeah, then she's going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night, So, but she can't fall asleep until 11, and then at 11, she's so exhausted at 11 she's like pushing herself to go to sleep at 11 but then she's waking up at five and that's not enough sleep so then she's then taking this nap every day at 2 30 and she's she can't get herself out of that pattern so what's that uh, you know i mean there's you know some something like that i'd have to unpack a little bit because i think that there are other issues that are going on there um but i can i can tell you basically kind of a, a 350 foot view on that Typically, you're going to take a nap when your core temperature drops. Normally, that's afternoon. So right around 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock is when your core temperature is dropping. It's not the food that you're eating, which most people think that it is because that's around the time you eat. It's actually a natural slumber time because your body takes your body core temperature drops, and you usually get tired when your body core temperature drops. So that time of day, usually people are tired. I love napping. I think that's a good idea. Um, sometimes I'll take an hour nap, but I will still be able to get to sleep. I'll take an hour nap when I, my REM sleep is sacrificed. Like if I had alcohol or I did something, I had caffeine too late or, or I exercised too late. Uh, and I know that it destroyed my sleep pattern. I'll take a nap that afternoon. 
Now, if you're waking up at five o'clock, here's the problem. Normally, the, you're going to want to put yourself back to sleep. Most people don't know how to do that. So the technique that I gave you, once you wake up, even if there's like it, like now it's summertime in the Northern Hemisphere or, or you know, you want to be able to put some darkening stuff over your eyes. Um, if you wake up to go to the bathroom, go back to bed, get back into the dream that you were in. Focus on remembering the same memory that you put yourself to sleep. You got to you got to slow your heart rate down, slow your breathing, fight everything you can to think and do everything you can to remember. And at that five o'clock, you want to put yourself back to sleep for at least another hour and uh, and try to get to that six o'clock time because you're right. Eleven o'clock to five o'clock, nobody's going to do well with that little sleep. So you're going to have you're napping during the day. But you that does not mean that if you nap during the day, you shouldn't be able to go to bed at 10 o'clock. You know, it's it just you need to you need to get your timing a little bit different. I would say 10 to 6 right? Good sleep time. Give yourself that time in your sleep sanctuary. And if you need to nap, you can nap. Um, if you're really tired, then there's something wrong with your sleep cycle. So there's other, it could be some other issues. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Tell people about this special offer we have for them at necknest.com slash Chantal Ray. Yeah, no, I am. I, I, I love education. So when, uh, when Chantal and I were talking, She's like, well, we, like, like we can offer a neck nest. We did that. So what about, you know, what about offering education also? So this is, this is what we had talked about. So we have something that's called the neck nest. The neck nest is specifically designed. You can go to necknest.com backslash um, Chantel Ray, and you can find out a little bit more about the neck nest and you can click the button there and you'll get 15% off. But really what's important to us is you buy a product, you're going to just, a lot of times, if you don't know how to use it or you don't know what to do with it, it's just going to lie on your bed and, you never, and you're going to hate it because you don't know how to use it. Even though we have videos and stuff like that to teach you, there are certain things that are going to come up. So we have this program called the Corrective Sleep Program. And what the Corrective Sleep Program is, is it teaches you how to use your neck nest teaches you how to become a back sleeper, teaches you how to eat, how to use your covers, how to set up your room, what angle you put your room in, your bed in, in the room. So it goes over all of these variables when it comes down to sleep, what elevated sleeping is, how to sleep with a spouse. So if you choose you want to do that, then we're offering 50% off of that whole program. So it's either 15% off just a neck nest or 50% off a neck nest with sleep education. You choose if you decide to come into our world. And if you do, we'd love to have you. And then if you, you just want to come into our world, we have a free sleep community. You can come in and just uh, play around and ask questions in there too. I love it. Well, you are an incredible teacher, Peter Martone. It's always been a pleasure having you on. And I am grateful to you because I feel like my sleep has massively improved since the last time we talked. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode, I highly recommend you doing that. And if you're just listening to this episode, it's a lot better to watch it on YouTube just so you can watch Peter show you some good tricks there on watching it instead. So you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.